0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you memory grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, a <laughs> rather than a dream. It's a dream that you enter the meal. The passing note of the song is a The ship We a sea. The size. Apparently not.
1: But we never know until we get played. That's true. Record. Well, it's recorded. recorded. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Right. Let's do it. Cheers. Ah, cheers. Welcome to the shores. To the shores. Yeah.
0: We haven't uh, done this
1: in a couple of weeks, so <clears throat> a little rusty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it does feel like forever since we've sat down and done this. It's I only know. been two weeks. Mm-hmm. Michael and I had a very... Romantic getaway to a all inclusive resort in Mexico. Uh, that was a true statement that uh, I just said. It was. Except for the romantic part.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh yeah, it was we had one guy get COVID, couldn't come, and then the other guy's son got in state uh state finals and so he couldn't come either. So Matt and I had a romantic uh It's just us. It's just us for Matt's birthday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So we've been off for a couple of
1: weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think uh, we'd have like so much to, we we'd probably do. We'd, I think there's, there's a, some things that you and I are both are kind of like, digging through right now that maybe
0: not ready for Yeah. publication. Right. Cause w- we sat down and tried to, to discuss what we were going to talk about tonight on the podcast and mm-hmm. both of us didn't really have much. Yeah. Um, but it also does feel like when you're doing something like this, you know, we do this every week, Mm -hmm. you hit sort of a flow. And then when you interrupt the flow, you kind of don't know how to get back into it. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a lot on your mind or a lot of things to say. Yeah.
1: that's true. Well, I also think too, you and I have, uh, moments when we're, we're working on certain things that it's like, we're not really ready to say out loud yet. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like in our, our behind the scene conversation. and we're, which we try to do most of that online or on yeah. on the podcast and
0: in front of all you guys. but I would say we've gotten to where we're comfortable talking like about 90% of the things that mm-hmm. we would say in private. Totally, yeah. Which is pretty cool because it yeah. used to be closer to like 40% probably. <laughs>
1: totally. Yeah.
0: No, that's the truth.
1: Yeah. We had somebody like, no religion, no politics. Right. No,
0: I don't know what else. That was kind of... It seems, it seems silly now that we would, that we we really did have that rule. No, we weren't going to talk about religion or politics. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That does, that does seem kind of silly. Or is it like, does that, but we, you know, also it's like you see what you focus on too. And, and there's, maybe there's been a lot more focus in our personal lives on religion and politics, <clears> you know, <throat> mm-hmm. um, that kind of, maybe has kind of skewed us back into that. We talked about that stuff before just yeah. you and I, but
0: right. Well, it does kind of feel like politics is everything these days. Everything's political, mm-hmm. everything's seen through a political lens. But I like the way that you say that you, you see what you focus on. Mm. It seems so silly, yeah. like obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't focus on it, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's <laughs> the point. <laughs> you can choose to focus on something different, uh-huh. see something different. I think That's one thing you and I left our all-inclusive resort <laughs> stay in Mexico, uh, Playa del Carmen. <laughs> um, the experience was really interesting because that trip was not planned by either of us, mm-hmm. and I don't think you or I would ever have planned that trip. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ended up just being us going, <laughs> and I think we both felt like like fish out of water or something like. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. No, I don't think either. I don't think either of us are very good at doing nothing. Yeah, and then you get there and you're like, "What am I? What do I do here?" They're like nothing. <laughs> you could lay by this pool or that pool or that pool over there. Uh-huh. You could drink from this bar or that bar <laughs> or that bar over there. Yeah, and then all the excursions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but I think we ended up doing a lot of observing, mm-hmm. which is, I think for both of us our kind of like default mode when we don't exactly know what we're doing. Yeah. It's just watch. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, like you said, you see what you focus on and I think we both had a certain perspective of what was going on and the people who were there mm-hmm. that shifted rather abruptly for us yeah, on totally. day three. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And that was really fascinating. It really was. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you mean tell her, you want to tell it. <laughs> Go for
1: it. All right. Well, it's, a, it's, it's, it was, it was really interesting. So it's like, you know, like Matt and I've been friends forever. And so, you know, it's this birthday weekend getaway uh, trip kind of thing. And so we were supposed to be there with, you know, two other guys and uh, you know, it was a, uh, the ringleader was, was, was missing of this trip. <laughs> And so it was like, it was kind of, it was really fascinating. Like, you know, we're kind of going through things and then the second or third day, I guess it was the third day. Uh, kind of put some other things in the perspective for the trip too. Is like, you know, this guy comes up to us and starts talking to us and you know, uh,
0: he's wearing a speedo, he's wearing by a the speedo. way, <laughs>
1: <laughs> a really, a really awesome guy. But it was just, we kind of like took us off guard. Cause like he thought we were a couple uh-huh. and that was not in my mind at all. And I was like, oh, and then I started thinking about like, oh, that's how, that's kind of how everybody else in the, in the space sees us. Cause like, Hey, you and I are going out to eat dinner every night. Right. You know, we went to the nice restaurant. We went to the, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like in, and so the whole perspective is like, oh, Matt and I are here as friends and we don't see that most everybody else sees us as a gay couple, you know? And and it just kind of took me back. I was like, Oh, that, that just changed my whole perspective of what was kind of like, what was kind of like the, the atmosphere that was kind of like around us.
0: You right. Know? <clears throat> uh, well, and it's interesting because that opened cause you and I were not really engaging people very much. And then mm-hmm. this, this other, other, this other gay, <laughs> gay couple <laughs> engaged us. Uh-huh. And, um, we ended up kind of befriending them and spending some time with them. And I think by virtue of their, of the way that they are open to the world, Mm -hmm. I think gay men tend to be very open to the world. Mm -hmm. We ended up meeting a bunch of other people and you know, all of a sudden you start realizing like, Oh yeah, people have just like you've been watching people for Mm -hmm. the last couple of days. They've also been watching you and everybody (laughs) has these perceptions of each other. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the, into the pool bar area and you realize like, Oh, like that dude who looked terrifying Mm -hmm. is actually just like a teddy bear, you know, or like I I remember one night I ended up staying up pretty late with a group of people that I met through basically these guys coming up to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was this like MC Mm -hmm. master of ceremony kind of guy that worked at the resort who, I can only describe as one of the most badass dudes I've ever seen. Basically a Mexican Chuck Norris. Yeah. (laughs) Like he for sure Mm -hmm. could kill you in like a lot of different ways. And he had like tattoos all up his neck and the cool hairdo. And it's like just walked around like he owned the place. Mm -hmm. And then late that night, he ends up coming over and he's just the just the sweetest guy and just wants to talk Mm -hmm. and he even said he's like i've seen you around i can't believe we're just now like meeting and just now hanging out and i was like i can't believe that you're personable (laughs) 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 And we got into this like really interesting conversations about what he does and his hopes and dreams for the future and i just thought you know we make these judgments of people Mm -hmm. positively or negatively you know and sometimes it's not clear which it is Mm -hmm. um and they almost never turn out to be true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. It's, I think that's really, it's a bit that, again, we ha, we make these judgments of the world around us. It's kind of, it's, it's helpful. It's a helpful sort of uh, stereotype to kind of work with, but it's a, it's mm-hmm. a working theory, you know, it's a, yeah. and that's something that, but as you dive deeper into it, you know, I think like kind of the idea of truth reveals itself and you start to see the deeper underlying aspects of, Oh wow, I really got that wrong or, Oh no, that's, that was about right. You know, in in different, in different situations. Yeah. But it's like you have to, you have to encounter, you have to engage it in order to suss out the truth
0: uh, or the aspects of, Uh, To dig deeper behind the the, Well, and it takes courage and it takes risk. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing I felt, too, once I kind of started to get to know some of the people that we had kind of been observing for Mm -hmm. a few days. And I was thinking, well, I had the wrong perception of these people, at least to some degree. Mm -hmm. And then once I got to know them, I thought, well, they've been here this whole time, Mm -hmm. you know? And I could have engaged them two days ago, but it didn't. Mm Mm-hmm and partly because of the perceptions I had, partly because I just felt very uncomfortable there in general. <laughs> you know, but I think that if you can approach the world from a perspective of, well, from the perspective of my perspective is flawed and needs refinement. Mm-hmm. And I need to discover what there is, which takes courage and takes risk. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you, maybe the world reveals itself to you to be something much more, wonderful and delightful than you were imagining. Well
1: it's also your capacity too kind of plays in the role of this. You know, it's like I don't like this something else I talk about. Like my capacity for large groups or lots of relationship is is a lot smaller. Yeah. Like I don't really where other people like they really do need and and enjoy that, you know, it's like that's something that um I don't really thrive off of, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like, uh, but again, I think that's why I like being around people that, that they do. So I can kind of ride their coattails. Right. <laughs> you know, cause that's kind you of, you can Davis pick up some can of be. the benefits of it <laughs> uh-huh. without having to do without, it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the case. It's like, cause you have, you know, like I, I think of, I don't know if, uh, you have those people that are a lot more, gregarious or outgoing but then you know it's like you also need those people that are contemplative and more uh, mm. you know uh, maybe a little bit more solitary you know yeah. it's like, it's like we, kind of like we draw each other into different spaces into different ways of being right and you know the solitary person needs to be pushed into the you know, into the public a little bit. And sometimes the public person needs to be kind of drawn into the solitary. Yeah. You know, it's like, so there's kind of different, different functions, you know, in different times of life. It seems,
0: and it does seem like you, you need to be, allow yourself to be pulled into modes of being that you don't <clears throat> naturally, hmm. um, operate in. Yeah. You need to be stretched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's well, also kind of the cool thing about, you know, generally in vacation mode, you kind of, most people are a, a little bit more open than they would normally be. You know, those people who are really open are st- extremely open. True. Yeah. You know, so it's like you kind of go into that sort of vacation mode of, hey, where are you from? You know? And, right. And then you just kind of go from there because everybody's from somewhere. Nobody's from
0: there, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. I feel like I've heard somebody formulate it like, you know, when a good case for or good argument for in, in favor of traveling as much as you can in your life is that when you're traveling, the average person has much more in common with you relatively than when you're at home. Hmm. Cause when you're at home, well, it might seem like you have much more in common with everybody, but that means that for you to connect with somebody, you have to have very specific things in common, otherwise mm-hmm. that person's just another one of the background. Yeah. But when you're traveling, you know, for instance, we're from Texas and if you're traveling and you meet someone else from Texas, it's like, you know, the fact that you're from Texas doesn't mean anything when you're in Texas. In Texas. Mm-hmm. But then when you meet another Texan in Germany, mm-hmm. it's like you could become best friends just on that one fact, you know. <laughs> totally. So yeah. it's like it traveling opens you up to things that you wouldn't otherwise be open to. Mm-hmm. We're also looking
1: for connections too. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm in this foreign area. I need I need some sort of order in this chaos that I'm in right now. That is, it's a foreign land, you know. And so I, you're you're trying to find connections that kind of you can orient yourself. It's like, Oh, Hey, you're traveling. I'm traveling too. Right. So you, both of us are in a sort of chaos right now and we'll maybe like kind of like connect and that therefore we have some sort of like order into experiencing this with somebody else. And mm-hmm. it's also new at the same time. You know? Right. Cause like my brother and I went to Italy, like we just connected with different people throughout each city we went to. And it was more like, hey, you're traveling, we're traveling. You know, met this guy that was doing cancer treatments in Berlin. And, you know, we sat on the rocks in Chiquitera and on the beach and drank wine. and He told us about his treatments and hmm. where he was. And wow. it was like a connection that like if, if he was in Austin, Texas, and he was going through cancer treatments, it's like we probably would not have any sort of connection to have that conversation, you know. Right. But since he was traveling, it was like he also found us a hotel room it's actually a cool story like there was no hotel rooms like no room at the end <laughs> and we met him in another in another city and uh, he was like hey guys I was like hey we can't find a place to stay so he went to all these places and found us an old lady's room somewhere that had bunk beds in it that we stayed the night in that, spa- wow. that place it was really cool so that's awesome but again, you're open to so many things. It's like, hey, I'm going to stay in some grandma's <clears throat> extra room
0: in a town I've never been into. You are just like, okay, right? And a stranger will seek that out for you. Uh-huh. And a stranger just <laughs> based upon a small <laughs> point of commonality. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like if I'm in Austin and I like I can't go home right now, you know, or something like that. Like, I'm not going to go sleep in some grandma's extra bedroom, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> that some guy finds for me. Right. Yeah. You would never trust that. Uh, uh-uh. no, it's like, no, I'll just walk home. Right. Even though it's like 30 miles or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have any other options. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing too, is your options are sort of taken from you, hmm. your comfort, your ordered options, you know? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> is that another way you could look at it? Is that, well, when everything's ordered, you don't have a ton of options. Mm hmm when everything is in some amount of chaos, well, you have sort of infinite options. So you put yourself in more chaos and there's more opportunity. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And you're willing to take the options that present themselves because they are sort of like solutions or ways to orient yourself in that, in that chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be your normal, your normal, um, uh, way that you would do things so right given the circumstances mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to think about though it's it's i want that for my kids uh well supposedly we were doing like when our kids turn 13 we take them on a trip and they have to plan it and all the things and uh-huh. uh kind of throw them into the chaos a little bit as because they're they're supposed to lead the trip uh-huh. and uh, i've only done with elia because covid no, uh, Austin yeah. couldn't do it and then Emerson's up right now but it was like you know still just planning that right now it's still crazy right <laughs> so it's kind of a bummer but I think it's a, I still think it's a good idea Is like how to expose your kids to some chaos kind of controlled chaos in a way that hmm. you know if I'm in this environment I don't know what to do how do I get a hotel room right how do I eat or look at a city map or figure my way around a city like oh what what's in this city and, so I think that's sort of just, or how to get a plane ticket. Uh, you know, I don't think, I think Allison, Allison did, I, when I was a kid, we did a lot, we did a lot of traveling and, and uh, also my brother and I, when we were 19, went to Italy and uh, for a couple of weeks. And so we kind of had some kind of learned that sort of, right. Get thrown into the chaos and you just kind of make shit up as you go. Right. <laughs>
0: You have to learn to just walk up to people you don't know and ask questions. <laughs> totally. Or it's like a good skill to have. <laughs> we were in Venice and uh uh we were trying to get to
1: Florence. So we were getting on the train and I was like I was like, two tickets for Florence and they're like, Okay, Florenza. And I was like, No Florence. And <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, Firenze. And I was like I was like, Okay, well, I mean obviously there's more Italian involved in that, but that's you go back it.
0: to your brother. Apparently we're
1: going to some place named Florenza. <laughs> yeah, but Florenza, and it's like uh Florenza, and I was like I was like, okay, maybe it's like really close to Firenze, like it's the where the train stops, you know. Mm-hmm. So we we get out of the we we go to Forenza and and we get out. We, we're sitting on the lawn uh, out front of the 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 train stop, and I was like, man, okay, where are we? I was like, oh, we're in Florence. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: yeah, just they <laughs> speak a different language here. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, it's like I mean, again, I'm 19 years old, and it's like. I didn't. I mean, I, I thought it was called Florence, and I'm, right? You know, but they call it Firenze. It's like, that's funny. <laughs> don't they know any better? <laughs> <laughs> Just young and dumb. Uh huh. But it's so great. It's like you know, <clears throat> you know, you, you can you can plan things out, and not experience those those times where you you don't kind
0: of on the fly and making mistakes mm. and. That's a good point. I mean, when everything goes according to plan, that's sort of a terrible thing. because You don't learn anything. It's like, it's like we want things to work out and go according to plan, or at mm-hmm. least we think we do. But when you really think about it, if everything goes according to your plan, then you don't learn anything. You don't grow. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you.
1: With everything goes to plan. It's almost like you're playing it too safe because I mean, I, I don't know anything that's ever gone according to plan. Like I plan things like right. business wise. It's like, you have to plan things. It's just like you, it's, it's a, it's, it's necessary to do that. But it's sort of like, once you start, you just kind of throw the plan out the window. It's, now it's general guidelines. <laughs> There's Some
0: quote by some general, I can't remember who, mm-hmm. um, that said planning is everything. The plan is nothing. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah Like spend all your time planning but once you go to execute you basically got to throw the plan out Yeah, because it's not going to serve you mm-hmm. it's the planning that serves you
1: well again it comes down to I mean, it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of just like how you perceive the world around you and then how it actually is mm-hmm. and it's useful and helpful to perceive and to judge the world around you but again, it's like with the plan, it's, but once you start engaging it, all of that kind of goes out the window because you're going to be wrong. You're Probably confronted with reality. Percent. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also, too, doing that over and over again, it's like there's a sort of fine tuning, too, in your planning because right. then you almost like you orient or include chaos within your plan.
0: Hmm. <laughs> and like, thankfully, like, it is so-hmm because if we were capable of creating a sufficient plan, it would mean that we knew enough about the world in order to successfully operate, operate in it mm-hmm. which would make you some sort of God, essentially. Mm-hmm. and I, it, it has a tie into something that I've been thinking a lot about in recent months. I think it's um, you know, like we said, the society culture has become very political. And with a lot of these issues, I see a lot of people behaving as if they know the answer. Mm. Like if they were only given power to execute their plan, the bad things in life wouldn't be there. Mm. And I think how arrogant <clears throat> and naive and seems like you're the last person who should have power. Mm-hmm. Because that's such a naive thing to say. Yeah. You know, but people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. They don't see that, that arrogance and naivety. They just, it seems obvious to them that if, if things could go the way that they say it should go, mm-hmm. then things would be good. But you can kind of see
1: just in how our, our government was formed from the beginning. You know, you have the House of Representatives and you have the Senate. So each state has two senators, mm-hmm. but have different amounts of
0: representatives, depending on the population. Yeah. I mean, it really does seem like our country, like they understood that. Mm-hmm. And it and it was set up such that no one got to say the way that it goes, mm-hmm. because we know that we're all fallible and insufficient to. Well, to some extent to ourselves, but definitely as a society yeah. and the best way <laughs> forward is to go forward in tension and in disagreement with checks and balances. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets their way. Yeah. And yet out of that rises the most Mm -hmm. prosperous, powerful, free society that's ever existed. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's like once you start kind of getting more lopsided or one-sided in that you know i think that's something that a lot of us experienced with the media you know in general it's like it's a very you know uh left-leaning media and it doesn't really necessarily represent kind of conservative voices or maybe even libertarian voices uh, or even uh you know left of center voices so i think that's something that we've kind of experienced that, the media is all progressive is what you're saying yeah, yeah it definitely has more of a progressive slant to it it's like it's no, that, that viewpoint needs to be represented, but it does the other, other viewpoints also need to be representative, represented, you right. know, in, in a, in our national dialogue. You right. Know? Um, like it's okay if you don't like conservatives. It's okay. If you don't like liberals, if you know, it's like, that's fine, but mm-hmm. we still need to allow that conversation. And in fact, it's better if you can allow those voices because you know, there's a 90% chance you're wrong or don't see it all the way. And somebody who disagrees with especially someone who disagrees with you strongly can kind of sometimes point that out to you. Even if they're an asshole in the way they do it, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're you're willing, you can kind of like, Oh, okay. I didn't see it that way. You're kind of a jerk in the way that you told me that, but like, but like, it's still, I like your,
0: I like your point. Like you can dislike liberals or conservatives, Mm -hmm. but you also, you should recognize that you need them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, that seems like something that's kind of gotten lost. Mm-hmm. I love this. I saw this quote this week from Michael Schellenberger. Do you know who he is? Yeah. He wrote a book called most recently called San Francisco about what's been going on in San Francisco. Mm. And he wrote a book before that, I think about climate change. Um, he just ran for, uh, governor of California, I think in just yesterday lost, I think, in uh, LA, uh, that was mayor. That's a different guy. Yeah, no, he was going for governor. I oh, think. governor. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he said, I'm a liberal in my compassion for the vulnerable. I'm a libertarian in my passion for freedom and I'm a conservative and in that I believe you need civilization to protect both of those things. Hmm, damn. Yeah. That's, that's a really great, it's really good formulation. Yeah. Like
1: I, I could, I could, I could kind of identify in that. Mm hmm that that stream yeah um because i think that's hard too like right now it's like where you have to be put into one category or the other where like i can see liberal aspects in myself politically and also libertarian and conservative Mm -hmm. aspects um and it's funny because depending on who you talk to like a conservative will push you more liberal, you know, hmm. and yeah, a liberal true. will push you more conservative. Right. Libertarian, you're just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> you're just screw you way. Right. Although I think libertarians are a little bit more accepted, uh, with conservatives, I think. Yeah. Cause a lot of times conservatives will have some more libertarian viewpoints. It does yeah, seem. Some overlap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, actually I think maybe just center. kind of So I don't know. I'm kind of speaking out my ass now. Yeah. But, yeah. It's like, I think that's the point is like, we do, we do need each other. Like the whole, the whole idea of community. I think that's a hard thing too. It's like, we've kind of built these societies right now where you can be more isolated in your own echo chamber. You don't have to engage with people that are different from you. I think still the office place is one of the few places that that still happens. But even then, so many people working from home, especially your more educated people are working from home Mm. that it's easier to stay in your sort of echo chamber of what you think and what you believe, where when you're out in the world, you're going to encounter people that think differently from you. Right. You know, it's like whether it's you go to church or some sort of religious, you know, thing, there's, you're going to encounter people that, whether it's social, economic, social or economical or social, Mm. you know, uh, rich or poor whatever. Like you're going to be exposed to people you would not normally right. <clears throat> be around. And it's like, there's something really good and healthy for that. I mean, even the religious language around that is like helping the the widows and the poor and, you know, orphans and stuff is like putting yourself in places that are not, not like you, hmm. you know, it's like, if you're a liberal, put yourself in a conservative <laughs> yeah. open to conservative or the vice versa, right. you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, they're not the devil.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. I mean, that's to put yourself in around people who aren't like you is it will change your perspective, mm-hmm. which is maybe a reason people don't do it. Yeah. Cause they don't want their perspective changed. Mm mm-hmm. They rely on their perspective. It's how they see things. Mm -hmm. You don't want to see things different because, well, then when you see things different, nothing is as it was. Nothing's what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. That's disorienting and can be catastrophic Mm -hmm. to the way that you live your life. And it's like, that's no small thing. It's your life after all, you know, and you have to live it. And to change your perspective and see everything differently takes a lot of energy and, and, um, humility. And you have to let go of things Mm -hmm. because sometimes the things that you see and you use them operationally in your life, and then you see something different and you see, whoa, that thing that I was really basing a lot of my beliefs on, I'm seeing that totally different now. And I've got to reevaluate my beliefs, Mm. reevaluate the way that I move through the day. Yeah, That's a pretty big deal. It's like maybe the biggest of deals. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean the, the other side of that is if you don't put yourself in sort of the chaos or, or contrary positions, you kind of grow stale and you don't, you, you can't grow if you don't put yourself in an adverse situation. You know, whether, you know, we've talked a lot about like working out or, or exposing yourself to stress willingly Mm -hmm. that there's something healthy
0: to that. Yeah. That sort of like staleness of position. I think a lot of older people end up that way. Mm -hmm. They end up fixed in their ways, fixed in their thoughts, you know, and you know, the sort of like caricature of the, Mm -hmm. the old man at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Who's just like going to spout off but Mm -hmm. it's never going to change his mind about anything Mm -hmm. and maybe it's that when once you get older it's much well one it's much harder probably to change because things are more ingrained but also Mm -hmm. your incentive to change is vastly reduced because Mm -hmm. you don't have that much life left to live yeah so to the extent that you're wrong and to the extent that that wrong position is functional in your life Mm -hmm. you don't want to tear it down Mm -hmm. because you need to get through the rest of your life (laughs) you know
1: that lasts five years yeah totally Uh uh-huh well, it's it's also interesting to think of it and how that has changed over the years where, you know, the, your elders or your grandparents or your parents lived in the same house with you. Mm-hmm. And so they had the young people, the babies and the Around toddlers. The time. Yeah. That kind of kept them sort of tied to this world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think as we've, you know, it's hard to stretch that system more and people move into cities and transportation. It's like that, that I think that incentive and healthiness that older people had built into the cultures is kind of been sort of taken from them in a way that I don't think is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, again, I think I, you know, my, my kids, when they see their grandparents, they're like, Oh my gosh, grandparents, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and then my parents were like, just so excited to see them. And you see them become a different person. And a lot of those, a lot of the weight of the world of being old is kind of lifted from them. And when the young people the, are around, when yeah. the young people are around. <clears throat> um, so I think there's some things, you know, I've thought we, I feel like this last couple of weeks, I've kind of gotten to this conversation with, with a few people and like how much has changed over the last hundred to 150 years is something you and I've talked a lot about is this sort of going from industrial to the information age from, Hmm. you know, heading into modernity and, uh, uh, you know, we don't know the effects that this has on us. And when we're, Oh, it's fascinating. I also was talking about this, like, you know, even, you know, our dopamine centers, you know, where now we live in such a way that we're, we're so satisfied with so many things That that's not how we lived prior to this sort of uh, this industrial age. So, for example, like in a constant state of satisfaction, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even but then there's there's unsatisfaction within that uh, that satisfaction. You know, so you know, here we are. We you know we're in a house right now with air conditioning. It's a it's a conditioned environment. We don't have to worry about the wind, the the fucking hot heat outside. You know, it's like there's all these elements that that are that have been kind of like mitigated, you know, it's like mm-hmm. food. If we're hungry right now, we go to the store or we go out to eat or <clears throat> whatever it might be. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of pressure off of us. We don't know we're hunger anymore. Uh-uh. I mean, even, even the homeless people, like, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's somewhere you can get a, a meal in Austin, Texas anyways, right. at least one meal a day, at least. And that's like just unheard of. You know, even like a hundred years ago, 150 years ago. Um, So the idea is that, you know, up until this more modern age is we were more in the pain center than the pleasure center. Hmm. So, so we're we're now we live more in the pleasure center. And so the pain center is that much more, uh, that much more. Dramatic. where like on the other side, it's like the, the pleasure center was a lot more dramatic because you're used to living more in the pain center. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're trying to find food. You're trying to find shelter. You're trying to make it to next week to take care of your kids. And you know what, obviously you can kind of still have that today, but it's really, it's, it's kind of a false, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you're not really going to die (laughs) where before we would have been dying. Um, Uh, I don't know where I was going with this now. Um, Yeah. So anyways, there's,
0: there's this, Oh dude, I lost it completely. I'm talking about being sort of satisfied all the time. Mm -hmm. Over dope (laughs) and (laughs) nerded over dopamine. Yeah. And it's like, and there's some
1: things in here and this is something I'm, I'm actually reading a on right now um it's called dopamine something about dopamine i'm all the way through it but that's why i probably shouldn't be bringing this up right now (laughs) (laughs) one of those things you're working on not quite ready to talk about exactly exactly but i've already jumped the jumped in so um but there is something that you know we do need we do need pain we do need sort of that adverse uh, adversity in order to um, uh, make us change in a, in a positive way and that we can actually experience joy. And there's a lot of talk about this sort of like, you know, with the uh, you know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, instant gratification, always being in a protected environment, food is ready Mm -hmm. that, you know, Like where, where's depression coming from? It's like, we don't know how to handle adversity. And so any sort of adversity that enters our lives, is sort of a, it's, it's such a contrast to all the things that are
0: available to us. Mm. It seems almost like, like adversity is treated almost like an anomaly Mm -hmm. rather than the regular state of being. Mm -hmm. And then as such, you say, well, it must be, it must be, um, injustice being put upon me by someone else mm-hmm. whose fault is this yeah rather than seeing <clears throat> adversity as the default state of being and um, pleasure as a welcome relief
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's like almost we like we've, we've flip flop the two mm-hmm. and you know again i've kind of talked i think we might have hit up on a couple of these topics before but that's why we work out that's why we have to actually go and, and look for adversity yeah and i'm speaking mostly in the west uh like again even in, in underdeveloped countries it's like the rate of depression is a lot less than you see in developed countries which is also kind of fascinating uh in just in general but we have to in the west or in developed countries it's like you kind of have to willingly submit yourself or subject yourself to some sort of adversity because it's healthy and it's something that you need right so it's it's, so it's gonna be really fascinating as we as we move into the future <clears throat> and we don't have those adverse adversity that's apparent and you know non not sought out it's like now we have to seek it out
0: in some regard Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about running out of adversity. I don't think that's a realistic problem. I mean, I I think things can get... Maybe things can get good enough that the adversity comes from pathologizing good things. And actually, I think we're seeing that in our life right now. What do you mean? Well, take racism. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> relative to all of history, we are in the least racist society that's ever existed on the planet or at any point in time of this society. Mm-hmm. Yet everyone, if you were to, you know, just sort of like listen to people on social media and on in mainstream media and <coughs> on the news, knowing nothing about this society, you would probably determine that it must be the most racist society on the planet for Mm -hmm. sure. So I think in the absence of adversity, we will start to pathologize what has become good Mm and, and misplace what is still bad where it shouldn't be. Because when there's an underlying level of adversity in your life, such that your orientation in life is, is based upon survival Mm -hmm. you don't really, you know, you don't really get to ask yourself questions like that. Mm -hmm. You just don't have the, well, it's it's like, maybe this is the thing. The adversity becomes very privileged adversity. Oh, I see. Meaning it's not directly related to individual personal survival. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, you know, I'm sure a bunch of people would, you know, yell back at me. Like that's the whole point. Racism is about survival and, all of that, so maybe I could find a different example. But I think you you get the point: is that mm. <clears throat> um, the better things get, the worse the bad things look, and the more you would attribute, the more you attribute it to the systems that gave you a relative lack of adversity. Mm-hmm. Did that make sense? It does. I
1: mean, maybe we need to unpack it a little bit more because it does maybe i can kind of restate it and see if it mm-hmm. see if it's the same or similar anyways like so what i what i'm kind of hearing you say is that you know as as life has gotten better there's a certain there's a certain part that we like racism still exists like that's that's just and probably will always exist mm-hmm. in some degree or form or another you know but one thing that we can agree on or should agree on at least is that in history this is the least racist at least maybe in the West or you know it's just the United States or whatever least racist time in space uh that racism is 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 not as big a deal as it has been in our history as humans, you know, and it's not just white black it's it's everything you know it yeah. could be even like nationality or or whatever it might be um however, it's like when things start to get better. We still are. Even some of the the bad things that are better can be seen as if there are, you know, there there's still talk about. That's one thing that was interesting. Like, I still people talk here talk about passing a no lynching law. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there is no lynching happening.
0: No, I saw that too. I think that was just. it. it. But I think that's to your point, though. Is like it's we're, just people posturing. It's posturing. But it's, it's, also, it's latching on to the art to the. Well, it's sophistry. That's what it is. It's latching on to a a false statement that has a... Historical reality. A historical reality and a current uh, positive reaction. Mm-hmm. Which is... I'll have to back that up. I mean, I'm not saying people respond positively to stories of racism mm-hmm. and... Um, lynching, but they respond positively in that they align with the goals of the person telling the story. Mm -hmm. So the person telling the story is generally a politician or, um, you know, those trying to remain in prominence, whether that's in media or social media. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the goal is more eyes, more clicks, more votes. Mm -hmm. And so if you tell them a story that gets more eyes, clicks and votes, that's a positive response. Yeah and maybe this is my whole point about pathologizing the good. You pathologize the good and it makes the people telling the story successful by the terms that are laid out in the system. Mm -hmm. And it makes the people responding to it feel good because they feel like they're seeing something that other people are blind to because they're ethically compromised. Hmm and not seeing the truth. Yeah.
1: Cause I mean like who wouldn't say like, Oh yeah, let's have an anti-lynching law. Like, yeah, nobody should be
0: lynched. Like that's, right. that seems
1: pretty, well, <laughs> no brainer.
0: Yeah. But when I read that, I was like, it's, we, cause I think I saw some people be like, how could we, how is it possible? We don't have an anti-lynching law. And it's like, because we don't need it. <laughs> no, it's not because we don't need it. It's because we do have it. It's just called murder. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know we don't specify yeah. the ways in which you can and can't murder. It's just you don't. We that's the law. Mm-hmm. You know you don't need to get specific about, what you know, the methods. Yeah. All of it mm-hmm. against the law. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, which? Which? I mean, to, in that same argument, it's like, uh, you know, in the you know maybe sixties and beyond or further back. It's like, that was actually a problem because that law was not being upheld, you know, in the, you know, maybe South and black communities, you know, as far as like when someone would be killed
0: by a lynching or something like that. I mean, is that true? Is that true that there are circumstances of, of lynching that was just overlooked? I mean, prior to like,
1: you know, you know, up until the civil rights, you know, there's, there's, I, I, I can't, I can't, uh, actually I can't speak to that directly, but, um, no, I think that's a good point. I, I don't have any, I don't okay. have any like yes. firsthand, like, right. But it, but it, it, I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the point though, is that these things happened in what degree, I don't know you know, was it a hundred or was it five or was it a thousand, you know, mm-hmm. you know, a year, uh, every 10 years. I don't know the, the statistics on that, but you know, there, there was, there was a problem with,
0: with these things. Well, let's, let's maybe pull up from that. Cause I yeah, don't think either that, of yeah. us know enough. I mean, even yeah. when you rattle off numbers like that, yeah. I did read an article about it. At some at some point, I think it's orders of magnitude lower than that. I don't mm-hmm. think we should be, yeah it's it's too, too heading <laughs> down that there. road yeah
1: <laughs> that's a good point let's come back from there <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <clears throat> where did we end up
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, maybe we can go back to like the whole like proceed versus real because we were kind of heading we were kind of we started out in that sort of that direction and, and kind of headed into the um you talked about like pathologizing Mm -hmm. and like us being in sort of an affluent time period and that we kind of pathologize these, these, um,
0: um, (laughs) I'm just trying to think about more. I mean, more examples of that. When you just said the word affluent made me think of like, have you ever driven a car that had air conditioned seats? (laughs) I might have. I think I might have. I've never done with the, the heated ones before. No, no. Heated ones are great. Mm-hmm. Air conditioned seats, uh-huh. way better <laughs> in Texas, especially. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. Oh, wow. You drive a car like that, mm-hmm. you will think, when you go back to your regular car, you will think you are just being subjected to misery. <laughs> you know, it's the same with, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, like we have, we have figured out how to synthesize the climate. Mm-hmm meaning we live in a house with air conditioning Yeah, and it sounds stupid to say it out loud because we've taken it so for granted. Mm-hmm. But when I was in high school, there was a summer where um, my dad, for one reason or another, decided that we weren't going to use the air conditioning for a summer. I think part of it was that we were young. I was like maybe 13 and uh, my siblings were probably like nine and seven. And, you know, it's hard to imagine, I think, for for me, and, and probably for a lot of people, because you never have a reason to think about it. But mm. air conditioning is pretty new. Yeah, like when my dad grew up, he didn't have air conditioning, mm-hmm. and he grew up, you know, pretty affluent. Um, I think he had air conditioning in his home, but his school, the schools that he went to, didn't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So you had windows open, and you know, it was Texas. Yeah. You know, and for all the talk of climate change, it was still hot as fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know? totally. So, so it was like, okay, summer, no air conditioning. And we did it. And it was just ungodly miserable. Mm-hmm. And I, we were all complaining, like, what are you doing to us? You're going to die. <laughs> we are for sure going to die, uh-huh. you know? And then two weeks passed and you just get used to it. Mm-hmm. You forget about it actually. Yeah. You know, End of month one, into month two, we're all happy. Life is normal. Mm-hmm. You just, you, partly you don't realize how, and then when you get back to the air conditioning, you realize how good it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really good. But also, like, I think that's the perspective shift. You know, you, that the better things are, the more trivial the things that you complain about are. Mm. So if you're used to air conditioning and you're, and this was, and, and, and it's taken from you you think this is horrific, Hmm. but it's funny to extrapolate that example to, well, what if I take your air conditioned seats from you? You know, (laughs) uh, it would sound ridiculous for somebody to complain about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Your Mercedes doesn't have air conditioned seats and you're complaining, Uh you know, but that is the, the perspective shift. Yeah.
1: I mean, you, you do see that in so many areas. I mean, whether it's your like TV, it's like watching TV on, on a, computer screen versus a big screen tv it's it's completely different mm-hmm. you know like uh you know and and pretty much anybody can afford a big screen tv now Where right. like you know when we were growing up someone had a you know as we started getting into more of the flat screens or big screen even big tube t- right. tvs it's right. sort of like whoa it's like those are the rich people that had the big tvs and now it's like pretty much everyone has a big tv
0: well, and if you don't, just drive around a neighborhood for a little while. There'll be one on the side of the road eventually. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, that's how worthless they are. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, it's like or uh, ubiquitous
1: rather. Ubiquitous—that's a good word. But it, it's interesting. Like we, you know, we do just our perspective of our 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 scope of time is is really kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this quite a few times. It's like the the idea of most people in the United States eat better than probably 90% of it. He's better than Kings and Queens did
0: 150 years ago. Yeah. That thing that always has a blow in my mind. I love that. A really good example of that, that I heard somewhat recently is um, when Rockefeller was alive, Mm -hmm. he was, he was probably, well, he was at the time, the richest man alive. Mm. He is probably still the richest man to have ever lived Mm. even relative to Elon Musk and wow. Bill Gates and all of that. that mm-hmm. um, adjusted for inflation. <laughs> right. And uh, like those dollars versus these dollars. Um, but that man didn't have a refrigerator. Hmm. It's like, okay, you can look at the number, the dollar number that he had, but he didn't have access to refrigerated food mm-hmm. or ice, mm-hmm. you know, would you trade places with him? Would you take, would you be the richest man in that time in that time? Yeah. Or would you be you today? And you really have to think about that. Yeah. And I think, is there an amount of money you could pay me to say, yes, I would be okay with all of refrigerators going away. And you can't even really comprehend how much that would change your life. You, don't, you wouldn't know how to live, first of all. You mm-hmm. wouldn't know how to preserve food, second of all. Mm-hmm. If you tried to preserve food, you probably wouldn't know what food was gone bad and might kill you mm-hmm. if you ate it because we don't have that skill anymore because we don't <coughs> need it. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so, yeah. You got it a lot better.
1: I mean, I guess the argument with that was like he he employed a lot of people. So basically, probably for that refrigerator, he probably employed like 12 to 15 people no i don't think refrigerators existed well no that's what i mean is like is like in order to get the same or similar uh result he had a, a whole bunch of people that were able to bring food to his table and go shopping or whatever it might be that day to bring that food to his table right so but it just took it took a lot to, but none of it was cold none of it was cold. <laughs> well there were ice houses and stuff like that like yeah. you know uh, now
0: I don't I don't know how they made the ice that's that's really Yeah, I don't know the specifics yeah. but just back to the the general idea of perspective mm-hmm. and and even the like maybe to tie it to the the conversation about travel. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have much opportunity when things are ordered. So when you travel, things become chaotic, which presents opportunity and opportunity out of opportunity arises, something new, some new idea, some new experience, some new perspective. Mm -hmm. I think you can hack that too. Like if you're ever feeling stifled or bored or um, unsatisfied, like you can think about your life and you can think about the state of it and then you can say, well, what is the state of my life and, and, and what is it relative to what? Mm-hmm. And just play the game. Like what's my life relative to five years ago? Mm-hmm. What's my life relative to my parents' lives, to my kids' lives, to my grandparents' mm-hmm. to just a hundred years ago? And I'm not saying that the answer is going to be, well, your life's better. It might not, mm-hmm. but it will be different, and it will shift your perspective, and you, and that will give you opportunity.
1: I mean, I almost would say that there's a, especially if you live in the United States, there's a huge chance that your life is technically better than your grandparents. Like I don't, you know, obviously we all are presented with different challenges, but. I think if you, if anybody puts their life in perspective and what their grandparents, how they lived and where, what they were going through, right? I don't, I don't know if you can't come away with that. Like,
0: wow, I'm really thankful for what I have. Well, and I think that if you, it's not that you can't. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that if you find that your life is worth wor, worth worse than your grandparents, it's likely of your own doing. Hmm. Yeah
1: yeah that's true that's that's a hard that's kind of a hard thing to to swallow yeah because like there is opportunity now you can say like maybe you don't have the opportunity of somebody else, right but I think in reference to your grandparents, I think there is something that is more
0: Direct, you Yeah. Know? Right. Well, maybe that's an interesting observation about like, we always play the game of what is my life relative to others. But I think in the age of social media, we tend to say, what is my life relative to those that I'm seeing online, mm. you know, relative to the, <clears throat> to the snapshot of everyone else's life at, at its best, mm-hmm. which isn't real. Yeah. You know, when it would be better, probably to to if you're going to, and you should, I think, ask yourself what is my life and what is it relative to. You should ask what, how is it relative to, it, in a self-referential way, mm-hmm. meaning in my lineage. Mm-hmm. And you could say my lineage. It, it, I could say reference in reference to myself, like in in reference to the way things were five years ago, or I could say in reference to my lineage and in in. That it's my parents and my grandparents, or I could even say of our country. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, I think, a much healthier way to ask yourself what your life is.
1: Well, I think you see this 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 perspective in immigrants specifically. Hmm. So, like, someone comes here from another country, they immediately know they have it better than where they were from, you know. I think that's a very common immigrant story. Yeah. And then they're wanting, so they already experienced that this is a better position than where I was and even maybe grew up in or my parents type thing, because it's, it's it's more immediate that sort of maybe the suffering or the, the reason why, I mean, they wouldn't have come here if it was so good wherever they were from, you know? (laughs) Uh, But then there's also this idea of like I want my kids to have a better future, and so a lot of immigrant stories is they work their asses off for their kids to get college degrees and and that kind of stuff. And again, I'm being very general or um, uh, stereotyping here, but I think that 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 has been kind of like a stereotyped. Idea of immigrants have come into the United States that they work really hard and that their kids can have more. And then that's, and then, you know, those, the kids of immigrants can either have like that sort of like understanding of what their parents gave them or can kind of like lose that yeah. perspective of right. like what, what, what that journey was to get them to where they are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and now they're enjoying this life that mm-hmm. has refrigerators or whatever it might be, you know, a college or,
0: well, I think when you work hard for something, you value it, you value it based on how hard you worked for it. And when you value something, you respect it. Mm-hmm. You take care of it. Like you take car care something of it. Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: but if you grow up in, in that space, you definitely have you don't you might not understand, it's like to come back to the idea of, you know, hard times create hard people, you know, or good people, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and if you don't understand the time you live in and maybe the sacrifices that were have been made in order to to put you in this position where mm-hmm. you are right now it's like you won't know to to take advantage or to to appreciate that that what has been worked for, worked for, you know, in the generations before. I think it's just really hard to it's I think it's just something that's it's very difficult to when you're affluent to to appreciate. It's almost more natural to take it for granted, you know, and it's also something really awesome about being able to take it for granted because you don't have to worry about it. Right. And that's, that's really kind of the positive aspect. The negative aspect of it is, is that you can, it can cause you to take it for granted, (laughs) (laughs) right? you know, but you don't have to worry about it. Like I don't have to worry about food. Like I know I can go to H-E-B and at least get chicken, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know, maybe not a steak, but some chicken, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think we should uh, wrap this guy up with? We kind of went all over the place.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm thinking about what it means to take something for granted mm-hmm. and what the proper response to that is, because I think you're right. It's really good to be able to take things for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, air conditioning, for example, or, you know, Let's just go with running water and plumbing. Yeah, totally. I was thinking <clears> the same thing. It's really good to not have to think about that. Mm-hmm. But I think that this phrase taken for granted is negative. Mm-hmm. And I think rightly so. Mm-hmm. Because that which you take for granted, which means you don't have to worry about it eventually we will have to be worried about. And mm. by the time you have to worry about it, you won't know what it is and you'll have no idea how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so, so what do you do about that? Mm. How do you protect yourself from that? Because you need to be able to take things for granted, but you also need for that thing you're taking for granted not to come absolutely pull the rug out from under you because mm. you're unprepared. And I wonder if the answer to that is something that sounds a lot like Well, that would fit in the text of some religion. Hmm. It's like, I think that you have to pay homage or sacrifice or like have some ritual in some way that helps you keep those things in perspective while benefiting from not having to keep them in view.
1: Let me throw this at you real quick. Okay. So, you know, in in running a business, you know, as you grow, it's like you start to hand things off. And so, you know, when we first started the business, it's like I knew everything from plumbing to orders to, you know, all the nitty gritty. But as you start handing things off, you know, you understand it and know it, but then you're also giving that responsibility to somebody else. And so as you're doing that, you also start to you start to distance yourself from that thing because if you don't then it's not really their responsibility you're not they don't really have a job because you're still responsible for it and over it but the idea of like when you when someone when you hire somebody and they're taking over a certain part of the company <clears throat> that means you're able to then focus on other things and but then when you lose that person it's like you have to come back into it and you start to realize like, Oh wow. Like I am not familiar with this anymore mm-hmm. and you have to refamiliarize yourself with it, but then it takes you away from the things that you were working towards. You kind of have to go back and recapture that. There's a kind of a healthy aspect of that, but then also it keeps you from sort of that, you know, <clears throat> well, I, I, let's let's you and I, when we were in Cancun you know, we were, we were driving on the highway and there's all these empty buildings and stuff like that. That was, yeah. And the roads were kind of weird. The airport was a complete nightmare in Cancun <laughs> and something that, you know, I was like, well, this would be easy to fix. Like mm-hmm. no semis, no semis in the road to go to the airport. Like
0: once you turn onto the airport, and just to clarify yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, once you turned off the road, into the airport, like the road that goes to where you, you know, the terminal, the, the, the <laughs> departure road, <laughs> there was semi trucks. Yeah. Not one, like five, ten. It was yeah. insane. What the hell they were doing on that road. I don't know. Yeah. Some kind of shortcut for them, but it's mm-hmm. like, it just seems obvious. Cause you, cause it took us an hour to get from the road to, to the, uh, departure drop off mm-hmm. place, which was maybe what half a mile.
1: Oh, if, if that, I mean, it was like, yeah. I think it would have been like five minutes maybe from the, from the highway to the, if it was just a straight shot or whatever, you know? Yeah. But it was an hour, but you think about it as like, well, why can't they build that infrastructure there? You know, in the U S we have that, but if you don't have dependable laws and things that are, that you can, uh, know that if I build this, it'll still be here in the future because mm-hmm. the laws are something that is being enforced and are stable. You don't have, you know, people vying for positions or, or right. cartels and that kind of stuff. So it's hard to build for the future if you don't have some sort of stability. Um, Oh shoot. Now we
0: got off on that story. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so maybe to sum it up. Yeah. Um, try hard to look for opportunities to change your perspective, mm. travel as much as possible, and think about the things that you're taking for granted. Be grateful for them, but also be a bit fearful
1: mm.
0: of the fact that you don't know about them. Mm. Cause one day you might need to. Yeah. Choosing adversity a little bit. Yeah. Like, Challenge yourself. Right. That makes
1: sense. All right. Cheers. All right. Cheers, guys. Love you guys. Thanks. We'll see y'all. Bye. Bye.